Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back in to the Lions 24-7 podcast. We are preparing for Penn State's home opener Saturday, noon kickoff. The Ohio Bobcats come to town. Last time they did that, they pulled off an upset in 2012, which was game one of the Bill O'Brien era. Penn State has come a long way in the decade since. Ohio with a new coach. Their offensive coordinator from that day in 2012 is now their head coach. So there are some connections, but a fresh matchup to look at a little bit later this week. We'll hear from a beat reporter who covers the MAC, covers Ohio. You'll also hear our predictions and full thoughts on this matchup a little bit later in episode number three, which will come your way on Thursdays during these game weeks. But right now on Tuesday afternoon, this episode is all about circling back to what we just experienced, and that was the James Franklin weekly press conference. And there'll be some takeaways on some weeks, and there'll be less on others. But this one, we have quite a bit to chew on, and to help me do that is Daniel Gallen, colleague at Lions 24-7, frequent guest here on the podcast. In just a few minutes, our other colleague, Tyler Calvaruso, will switch in for Daniel, and he'll break down what Penn State has cooking from a recruiting angle for their home opener obviously a big opportunity to get players on campus and showcase the program a bit and tyler was also out and about at high school football games all this past weekend so some stuff to catch up there but the big takeaway for me i guess and i wasn't really expecting this one to pop up but drew aller again second consecutive week his name comes in the headlines and last week it was because james franklin went out there and said he is our number two quarterback for the home op- for the opener against Purdue. It's going to be a week by week process, but he is QB two behind Sean Clifford. We ended up seeing him play. We talked about it. Look the part for the for for four throws and and a few other snaps. But now James Franklin asked directly on a Tuesday afternoon if Drew Aller is his number two quarterback against Ohio. And he wasn't willing to go that far. He stopped short of it and saying he didn't have an answer right now. And they want to accrue data and, and competitive uh, competitive notes over the course of this week. They got a practice Tuesday, practice Wednesday. The helmets are on for those practices. So I understand, Daniel, why he'd want to make sure that the freshman's foot is on the gas pedal. But at the same time, uh, a little surprising that that you know, there would be at least some doubt cast on Drew Aller's placement within this depth chart. It is kind of surprising when you think about uh, where we were last Monday when James Franklin said that Drew Aller is the number two quarterback to where we are right now. The only thing that's happened is, like you said, Drew Aller came in against Purdue, looked the part. We all, I think we all felt pretty good about Drew Aller going into this year, but we felt even better about Drew Aller coming out of Thursday night. So from our perspective, you know, we haven't seen anything that would, you know, lead us to believe that oh, you know, maybe Christian Veyer should be the number two quarterback over Drew Aller. But when you kind of pull back a little bit with what James Franklin said Tuesday afternoon during his news conference, it it wasn't just the number two quarterback spot. Uh, you know, I think he said this about safety. He said this about some of the linebacker spots where they haven't 
they haven't met yet. They haven't talked about kind of what some of, I guess, the personnel plans uh, for Saturday are. So I think in a vacuum, it is kind of surprising to hear based off of what we've seen, what we thought about, what we saw and what we heard before. Um, But I think in the grand scheme, it kind of fits in. Maybe they do have their plan uh, actually set, but this is just some, you know, classic coach speak. But um, yeah, I mean, (laughs) it is kind of funny that we're talking about a one and O team. We're two weeks into the season. And once again, that, that freshman quarterback uh, makes his way into the headlines. It really is something where, you know, the, the NFL prospect nature of the quarterback position, it's hard to divert attention away from uh, from Drew Aller. You know, we've seen Sean Clifford for a long time. He's 24 years old. Um, and, and Drew Aller is a, a shiny new toy that we got a little bit of a peek at at Purdue. And people were really hoping and hoping, and I think they still are, um, to see him really get a chance to go out there and take a few series against the Ohio Bobcats, maybe be able to get a bit of a rhythm. One thing that stood out you know, today here, from tight end Tyler Warren uh, last last post game you spoke with Juice Scruggs glowing reviews not just about the arm and physical aspect of Drew Aller which is what you always hear uh, but about his demeanor when he was called into action about the way he carried himself when he felt a little bit of pressure off the edge from Purdue and I think that really goes a long way in, in terms of building respect building rapport with the teammates and building that sense of trust that when he needs to step in for instance the first possession of the second half on the road against a Big Ten opponent uh, that 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 teammates are going to respond accordingly and there's not going to be really uh, a, a drop-off in in the way they're in the way they view their their trigger man uh, all that said though uh, James Frank I'm a little surprised he didn't take this tacked last week Uh, I was surprised that he named Drew Aller his number two quarterback I thought he was probably going to go the route of saying we're still working through our depth chart uh, as far as who the next man is up behind Sean Clifford instead that's what we got here in week two which you know Drew Aller you you want to see what this kid's made of mentally you want to know what the composure is and certainly this is going to be something that he's going to come across whether he seeks it out or not that James Franklin had an opportunity to address it and opted not to uh, so, hey, Drew Aller, another another week in your first freshman season, and all of a sudden uh, the young man's getting a lot of attention where we did not think it would really be placed on him. Um, media's doing some of the heavy lifting here, but James Franklin <laughs> is certainly contributing. It, it is kind of funny to think about where we where would be right now if James Franklin hadn't committed uh, to a backup quarterback last Monday. And we're there. We see Sean Clifford go in, and we don't know – that it's going to be Drew Aller and kind of the, the dra- I guess the added drama that that, that, that would have brought. Um, and, you know, the stakes against Ohio on Saturday uh, won't be necessarily as high uh, as they were on Thursday night at Purdue. But I think that given the way that Aller looked, given his pedigree and given what we know about the way that uh, Sean Clifford plays and it's come up again and again that Penn State has needed its backup quarterback. So I think that the the questions aren't necessarily going to go away. And, you know, I guess that we'll find out um, at some point in the next couple of weeks uh, whether or not Drew Aller can firmly lock down uh, this number two quarterback job before Penn State really enters uh, the teeth of Big Ten play after the bye in October. Yeah, and I suppose it's worth mentioning that we're looking through this, the prism of of what it means for Drew Aller and James Franklin about Christian Veyer. Christian Veyer, I should say, this is this should be news that's well received on his end. Um, you know, understanding that that they're opening up the comp- the competition on a weekly basis, and they're always going to stress that, as you said, they attach it to a lot of other positions. So let's go elsewhere right now. Drew Aller is going to give us plenty to talk about, I think, all season long and, and in the years ahead. Uh, but linebacker. 
safety. Those are a couple spots where competitions were seemingly unresolved entering the season. You had Tyler Elson as the game one starter at Mike linebacker, but Kobe King was in there for the second series. And both of those guys got plenty of reps during the span of game one. And then Keaton Ellis, who you wrote pretty well, uh, uh, pretty uh, at length about in your second look at this game, uh, really in a, in a glowing way, he got to start, but we saw a lot of Jalen Reed who was mentioned by James Franklin today as, as a factor moving forward at safety. That's important because we saw him suffer some kind of injury late at Purdue. And then of course, Zeke Wheatley who got another spotlight from James Franklin for four, the turnover um so look it, it seems like although we're a week forward it's still in stay tuned mode uh for both of those positions and who's going to be playing the most reps come october i should say james franklin said that at middle linebacker it'll be kind of the the same plan uh that they had before which uh i guess means tyler elson will be the first one out and then they'll either rotate i think james franklin said it'll either be one to one or, or two to two uh, as they as they go through the game. And I think that you still want to see more out of both Tyler Elsden and Kobe King at that position. Uh, I think that both kind of had had moments here or there. I think that there was I can think of a couple plays where Tyler Elsden, you know, got in the backfield, had some pressure on Aiden O'Connell. Uh, but then you mix that in with uh, him getting matched up with Brock Thompson uh, going across the middle. And um, that was obviously a, a favorable matchup for Purdue. So I think that that's going to be something that will kind of, like I said, with back quarterback, hopefully they, they, I guess that they hope they can kind of nail this down or, or figure out exactly how it'll shake out uh, before the teeth of big 10 play. Um, but I think the safety battle is the, is the really interesting one because we saw all three um, of Keaton Ellis, Zaki Wheatley and Jalen Reed playing next to Jair Brown. Um, I think there was, there's even a series where Jair Brown wasn't on the field. So there are just two of those guys out there. Um, and they all look pretty good. They all did different things. Um, I was really impressed with Keaton Ellis. Um, I don't necessarily know if that was the, that might've been partly the product of having kind of low expectations, um, going into the year, uh, in terms of what we were hearing about the other guys, but you know, Jalen Reed flashed, Zaki Wheatley flashed and, I think that we're going to continue to see uh, all three of those guys next to Jair Brown. Um, I do think that the way that Manny Diaz plays uh, uses personnel and, and plays defense. I think that it works to all, all the safety's benefits um, because all four of them were on the field um, at the same time in, in some of those personnel groupings. And I feel like it was last year only on a couple occasions would we see a, a three safety set from Brent Pry and, I think I remember Jalen Reed uh, normally being being the guy in those sets. Um, so I think that it's it's one of those things where it does feel unresolved as to who's going to be the first one out there, who's going to to play the most snaps. But the nature of safety, the nature of defensive back, uh, it's easier to rotate players. And then um, the way that that Manny Diaz had played you're going to see a lot of those guys out there. Um, we had a call with Johnny Dixon um, a little bit ago, and he talks about that one thing that he wanted to do this year was learn how to play dime, um, the dime spot, so that he could be on the field in those extra packages. And he said it's a very flexible group of, of defensive backs that can, can do whatever, whatever Manny Diaz asks them to do. And so I think that those safeties, even though I think right now I, I would consider them all 1A, 1B, 1C, um, that's not necessarily a, a detriment to have that unresolved currently. Beyond the starting lineup, it sounds like Abdul Carter should get plenty of playing time if things go according to plan on Saturday. And it really sounds like 
the Penn State staff felt like they were shortchanged in a big way because of how it turned out for him in his college debut. He had one special teams rep, and then he has his first defensive snap, which results in the targeting penalty, which uh, you know sidelines him for the rest of the contest. That was early in the second quarter, so the silver lining is he gets to play a full game in week two. But, I mean, you heard it, Daniel. We heard about uh, when, when he's sorting through the linebacker position, makes quick note about Abdul Carter highly uh you know thinking highly of him working behind curtis jacobs he didn't insert him into that middle linebacker competition conversation but you know you wonder in the next few weeks as that position sorts out could abdul carter lend his talent over there and maybe make an impact so those are things to monitor moving forward but i think at, at the end of the day the fact that james franklin then circled back to abdul carter and said you know, hopefully when we check out his snap count on saturday it's dramatically different so they think the world of this number 11 i think that's very important uh, and I think it's very apparent. Uh, but to this point, we just haven't gotten to see because of the circumstances and that played out. One other guy that we didn't see at all in, in, in game action was Theo Johnson, Daniel. And I know you're working on a story here. The tight end room has a lot to live up to. James Franklin has had a set a very high bar for that room in the last couple of years. Still waiting for them to really break through that. They're going to need Theo Johnson to do so. He was not available uh, but he did travel to Purdue. James Franklin said they were hopeful he might be able to play. It was out of the coaching staff decision. He did not, once again, using that hopeful term to his status for Ohio. And I think it's fair to say right now he's uncertain about Theo Johnson's availability. So uh, he referenced 12 personnel, 13 personnel, and then wanting to get involved with a lot of tight ends and then having to scramble without Theo against Ohio. This is a significant, maybe not against Ohio, but the availability here for Theo Johnson a significant cog as we sort through the offensive machine under Mike Yersich. Yeah, one one quick note on Abdul Carter that I'd say is that I think going into into this week weekend in terms of all right, which freshman do I want to see? Who do I think that we're going to see have the opportunity to have a a big game? Obviously, Drew Aller is top of the list. You know, seeing Nick Singleton against a MAC defense, um, you know, has the potential to be some fireworks, but. I think in terms of these true freshmen that we're going to see, uh, the way that James Franklin was talking to, about him, Abdul Carter immediately goes to the top of that list for me of um, players that I'm, I'm most interested in seeing among that that true freshman group because I think we'll see a lot of him. I think that they might try to make up for some lost time, and um, given what we've seen from him, that that could be fun. Um, but yeah, the Theo Johnson, uh, I guess, situation uh, was was interesting. The fact that. Um, I think that we did, exp you know, we wouldn't be surprised if we came out and we saw him featured pretty heavily um, in their offense based off of kind of what we've seen from him this offseason, what we know he's capable of. Um, I think that even without Theo Johnson, uh, Brenton Strange and, uh, and Tyler Warren uh, performed admirably um, in his in his absence. Obviously, um, Tyler Warren said that the in the running game, there's always things that the tight ends feel they need to do better. There's always things for them to clean up. Um, but in the passing game, uh, James Franklin did highlight that there was one drop uh, from the from that position group against Purdue. And I think we all know <laughs> which pass that was with Tyler Warren uh, not being able to, to haul in that rainbow from Drew Aller. Um, but yeah, I am very curious what a lot more 13 personnel um, would be like um, kind of. We'd see it at times last year, and it's, it is interesting to see how Mike Yersich does it because when you think 13 personnel, you're thinking short yardage, um, we're going to pound it. But I think there would be times last year where Sean Clifford would be in shotgun and all, all three tight ends would be split out wide. Um, so it's a really unique wrinkle 
Um, I think that Theo Johnson could be the type of player who takes um, an offense to the next level based off of uh, what his skill set is, what he can do physically. Um, but, you know, it's kind of, all right, we'll, we'll see. Uh, you know, saying that you're, you're hopeful for someone to play um, isn't exactly a, the, the ringing endorsement, um, especially if, they, if it's something where, all right, we want to make sure that he's going to be available later in addition to now. Um, I think that's kind of wait and see um, at that tight end position. Johnson coming off a year in which he caught 19 passes for 213 yards, one touchdown. That stat line does not tell the story about how he's viewed within this program and where he may be heading, but got to get him back on the field. By the way, a couple other players who actually did not travel to Purdue and were not involved in game action, Keziah Izzard, defensive tackle, and then Smith-Filbert, defensive ends. Their names were absent from the conversation during this press conference. That's Partly James Franklin, mostly on reporters. Uh, they didn't come up, but uh, we'll be back on the practice field Wednesday. We'll have another opportunity to speak with James Franklin after that practice. So I'd imagine that will be a topic of conversation that will come up um, before this team gets back on the field versus Ohio. Uh, Daniel, speaking of that matchup, uh, I should ask, do you have anything else we want to make sure we get to on the press conference before we talk a little bit about these Bobcats? I think we covered most of the ground and uh, anything else will be on uh, Lions 24-7 that, <laughs> that, that we didn't mention right now. Yeah, we've got our live updates thread running. You're going to get it every game week. All the player calls, we're, gonna, we're not going to miss any of them. We've got a coach call with Ty Howell coming up later. He coaches the tight ends for Penn State. Get James Franklin twice over the course of a game week. All that and more uh, on our VIP thread at lions247.com. So let's jump into it. Last night I wrote my first look piece, uh, you know, setting the stage a bit for Ohio coming to town 10 years after pulling off that upset. And you wrote on uh, for a Tuesday morning publication, nine Bobcats to know. Let's start with your piece. They've got a quarterback like Penn State's who totaled five touchdowns in week one. So I think maybe we'll start with him. Yeah, definitely. Um, Curtis Rourke, uh, definitely a name to know. Um, James Franklin uh, spoke pretty highly of him uh, today when talking about executing the the Ohio offense, kind of a, a spread option attack um, that can that can do some different things. But I mean, 27 of 34 for 345 yards, four touchdowns through the air, uh, another rushing touchdown on the ground. Um, I mean, it is FAU. Um, so kind of a there's going to be a scaling up in competition but um, I think that you I watched some of the highlights look through the statistics and it's just kind of a what you want to see from a veteran quarterback um, someone who's composed and um, kind of knows where where he needs to be uh, at the same time so I think that that's you know that's where you want to start um, when you look at this this Ohio team uh, this Ohio offense. You know, Ohio beat Florida Atlantic uh, at their home field last Saturday, 41 to 38. They had a 17-point lead uh, about halfway through the fourth quarter. FAU had two touchdowns in a three-minute span, ended up having the ball near midfield and driving and maybe tie the game or take the lead. Ohio was able to avoid a complete meltdown, and, and this was actually their first September win Daniel against an FBS opponent since they beat UMass in 2018. You look conversely and, and kind of the things working against Ohio, Nittany Lions have not suffered a regular season loss in non-conference action since 2016 when they had a road trip at Pittsburgh. Again, highly favored here, but if Ohio can kind of break things up a little bit, and this is a conversation we'll get to on Thursday before we issue our final previews and predictions, but who else do we need to be aware of? The quarterback's always going to come up in conversation. Give us a couple more names before we bring on Tyler to break down some recruiting. Yeah, just to stick on the offensive side of the ball um, at, at running back, um, I 
didn't prepare the best. So I don't know how to pronounce his first name, um, but uh, his last name is Bangura. Um, James Franklin mentioned. C-A. It's pronounced C-A. 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 Yeah. Uh, James Franklin did mention there was some familiarity there because he did go to DeMatha. And, you know, if you're a skill player at DeMatha, I'm pretty sure that most of the coaches uh, in the region are going to know who you are. Um, he had 114 yards last week, and he's a redshirt freshman uh, kind of thrust into this role. Um, O'Shawn Allison, um, who prepped at Malvern um, outside of Philly, uh, I caught a bunch of his games when he was in high school, and he was just a, a really fun running back. He suffered a shoulder injury in the preseason, so he's out for the year, which means it's Bangura's job, uh, it looks like. And, you know, he was up to the task, um, obviously running against P.J. Mustafer. Um, and company is going to be a little bit different um, than looking against uh, you know some of those FAU defenders. And then uh, James Bostic, who started his career, a wide receiver who started his career at Vanderbilt, uh, six catches, 136 yards, a touchdown um, against FAU last week. He's listed at 6'3", 230, uh, which is uh, you know quite the big wide receiver um, out on the edge, uh, given what we saw out of Joey Porter Jr. last week. Um, and Kalen King, uh, Porter is 6'2", 198. So that could turn out to be uh, a, a pretty fun matchup um, out on the edge if they end up uh, going against each other. Um, and then on the defensive side of the ball, I highlighted uh, Jack McCrory, who uh, is the left defensive end uh, for the in the Ohio offense. Uh, we talked about right tackle. Uh, Caden Wallace struggled. We saw Bryce Effner there at the end. Um you want to see if Caden Wallace sees a lot of time, you want to see him be successful to be kind of a stone wall against Matt competition. Um, you want to see him have his feet under him and, and do the things that Penn state believes or knows that he's capable of. So that's where I started there. Um, and then just overall, uh, I think, you know, I highlighted defensive tackle in the safety spots uh, in the Ohio defense. Um, the way that Penn state, uh, you know, the things that you want to see from them involve those positions. You want to see them getting a push uh, up on the interior. Um, and then you want to see those wide receivers making plays uh, back behind the Ohio defense, getting through um, that back line of defense. So that's kind of where I went, um, you know, with, with some of these to kind of, you know, highlight some players, but also highlight some potential matchups that could wind up being important um, on Saturday. Some early season coverage or early week coverage, I should say, of Penn State versus Ohio, helping you get informed on who the Bobcats are before they get to Beaver Stadium. Daniel Gallon and I will continue to do that on lines247.com. Daniel, always appreciate the conversation. We'll check in with you a little bit later in the week. Look forward to your writing coming off the press conference. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a busy week, Tyler. We'll be right back on the Lions 24-7 podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Good news is we don't have to get to the game on Thursday this time around. We have the full week to utilize, and we'll do that right now with Tyler Calvaruzzo because this isn't just getting ready for Penn State's home opener in 60 minutes of football. This is getting ready for Penn State's home opener and the recruiting festivities that come with such an event. Tyler, you've been all over it. Early last week, you put out a, an initial list of how things were shaping up for that guest list. I know it has grown quite a bit. You've been reporting all over the place here in Tuesday, within the region, beyond the region. I want to talk to you about your high school football coverage from last weekend in a moment, but let's start here. How is that list developing now that we're four days out of kickoff? Yeah, it's grown pretty significantly since we started the list. I believe it was the last Wednesday, I want to say I confirmed about maybe a dozen names, maybe a few more. And it's grown pretty significantly since then. I think that speaks to what Penn State is trying to accomplish this weekend. Let's just call it how it is. You know, September's not the greatest visit month for Penn State, just given the home schedule and the teams that they're playing. You know, sometimes a lot of those matchups, they don't have a lot of juice. Some kids don't want to come see that. But at the same time, there are kids who say, hey, I want to come see what Penn State's like when it's not the whiteout game, when it's not a big game. I want to see what it's like when I'm playing, you know, in the middle of September. We're going through non-conference play, going into Big Ten. What's the atmosphere like when the opponent isn't the biggest on the schedule? And there are a lot of kids who are eager to get out there and see that this weekend. It's a pretty impressive list, I got to say, you know, like for a matchup that's really not the juiciest on the schedule. But, yeah, we're got a bunch of names coming in. It's going to keep growing, and there's going to be a lot of intrigue surrounding this weekend for sure, and we're going to have you covered with that list throughout the week. Yeah, our VIP subscribers at Lions247.com already very well informed on how the list is coming together. They will continue to be as things go. But let's peel away some layers here. The 2024-2025 classes are now uh, you know, starting to step up and get more attention, specifically that 24 group, and Penn State wants to build that class out. But there are still some pieces to monitor in the 23 class, and Zion Tracy has been one of them here for the last month or so. He'll be making an official visit this weekend. He's got an official offer now from the Nittany Lions. Can you talk us through the dynamics in play for the speedy cornerback and the Nittany Lions? Yeah, so Tracy's arguably the biggest name coming to campus this weekend, just in the sense that he's a 2023 on his official as Penn State looks to round out its class. So there's going to be a lot of attention on him. You know, the stats going to be showing him a lot of love. And I wrote about it today in the Tuesday afternoon recruiting notes that we had up on the site that the indication is that Penn State's going to be in position to close on Tracy while he's on campus. I think – Zion has spoken very highly of the program for months. Ever since that late July camp, he's had nothing but good things to say about Penn State. It's pretty clear that the Nittany Linder is top choice at this point in time. And getting on campus, getting that official, getting the full experience, I think that's going to be enough for him to pop after, you know, checking in with people familiar with his recruitment. And, you know, there's also an element of Penn State's board at the position, Tracy playing corner, it's always evolving. There's, you know, if you don't commit on the official, you know, by the time you circle back, there might not be a spot just given the way, you know, Penn State's going after other players. So I, I think Tracy feels that. And I, I think just that combined with the fact that he's so high on Penn State and has been feeling that way for such an extended period of time, I think that's going to culminate in some good good news. Maybe not necessarily right after Tracy's visit, but shortly thereafter. I think, I think Penn State has to like where it's at there right now, as it has for months now. Now, unfortunately, I was sidelined with COVID when he came to camp, but you were out there on the field. What did you see that day? What did you hear that day? Because I think people are going to maybe go over to his 24-7 sports profile, not see the long list of Power 5 offers, not see the, the gaudy star ratings, although I think his rating and ranking from 24-7 sports will continue to evolve. What did you see in person and what did you hear coming out of that? 
And the first thing we saw was Tracy when he tested. I mean, I mean you, you could barely see him. That's, that's how fast he was running. <laughs> I mean, his 40 was ridiculous, man. I think he was clocked in the low four threes and just – that caught the staff's attention right away, just go before the one-on-ones. And th- they knew Tracy was a burner coming into the camp. But for him to get on campus and see that and get that 40-time clocked, I think that opened a lot of eyes. And then we get into the one-on-one portion of the camp where Tracy's going up against Ajani Shakir pretty much every rep. And that was obviously done by design. I think the staff wanted to see how Tracy would fare against a receiver. It clearly likes him a lot in Ajani Shakir. And he gave Jean Shakir some problems, man. Tracy, the big thing with Tracy is even if he get loses a step or two in coverage, he has the closing speed to make up, and he has really good ball skills. So he goes up, he attacks the ball, and he gets after it. And he was able to break up some passes on Shakir with Jackson Smolik throwing all of those passes as well. So it was good competition, and Shakir lived up – excuse me, Tracy lived up to what the staff wanted to see out of him. And that's why we are where we are now with him, with him having that official offer and being in a position where he could join the class. Now, this is going to be, in terms of the 2023 presence, heavy on Penn State pledges. Um, obviously, you'll get some walk-on op- options on campus for events like this, but I think this is a chance for those 2023 guys to once again gather in person. Uh, it's not going to be the entire class. It's not always easy to get to Saturday games when you've got a high school football schedule of your own, much less a noon Saturday game. That makes it really difficult for anybody who's not playing on Friday. Um, but we've confirmed a bunch of these commits on campus. They're going to be looking to, to, to do their work and, and build things. But I think it's going to be important for them to start developing chemistry with the 2024 class and some potential in-state, some potential leaders that could step up and, and take the mantle within that 24 class. Not asking you to go down the list here because that would be unfair to our VIP subscribers, but who are some standouts headlining that list at this stage that you think are particularly important for Penn State to get here? impress and then send home with a smile the big name we confirmed this morning is dre hawkins wide receiver from west virginia and we talk about speed i mean he's another guy who's just an absolute stud in that area his track times are ridiculously good he's another one who ran low four threes when he came he was at the whiteout camp in june he was running a low four three and then he goes on the one-on-one the seven on seven portion of the camp in beaver stadium just balls out and gets his offer so that was the big name we confirmed this morning this is an important visit for hawkins in the sense that he didn't get to do much buck camp when he was at Penn State in June, right? He just got he got there, he worked out, he did his thing on the field, got the offer, went home. But now he's going to get the chance to see more of the campus. He's going to see the facilities. He's going to see some of the town. And that is something that he has wanted to do. So that's a really big name coming out of it. Cameron Lindsay from Aliquippa, linebacker, 2024 kid. Penn State likes him. He's going to be there. Peter Gonzalez, Central Catholic wideout. He's going to be there. Another guy Penn State really likes on that receiver board. So, I mean, just – a lot of guys, a lot, some in-state guys, region guys coming, and these are important visits. Just, you know, get that started on the right foot because a lot of these guys are going to be back to campus again this season. You know, this is their like their first impression in a sense. Granted, they've all been to Penn State before, but some haven't taken in a game yet. Like Hawkins hasn't taken in a game yet, for example. And you touched on it. I, I think it's really big to have a lot of these commits there for this. It kind of reminds me of Last Bash, how a lot of them made it up there really just to kind of focus on getting that relationship started with those 2024 kids and selling them on what Penn State has to offer. And I think you're going to see a lot of that throughout the season. And we're seeing it this weekend with a lot of the names who are coming to campus. There are going to be a bunch of commits there. And best believe they're going to be selling. Again, this is an evolving list. Uh, head on over to lines247.com to track it. Uh, we'll have a, a full update released by the end of this week. But it has been a steady trickle. Uh, and kudos to you for that, uh, Tyler Calvaruzzo. Kevion Keys, last week that commitment came through. It was UNC. 
But you told us well before that commitment that it wasn't going to be over upon that announcement. You still feel in that way. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just a matter of there's, there's a lot of moving parts. I mean, he got the late offer from Texas A&M pretty much right before he was set to announce. And I know he wants to get out to A&M. So that trip's probably going to happen at some point this fall. I think it's realistic that he could make it back to Penn State. There's a little bit of Penn State buzz actually right before his announcement. Or look, the, the tides might have been turning a little bit. That obviously wound up not coming in fruition with his commitment going in North Carolina. And, you know, we've spent so much time talking about how this recruitment might not be over and he's going to go here and he might go there in terms of visits throughout the fall. But I feel like the one thing that we've kind of glossed over is just that he committed to North Carolina because he does have a desire to stay close to home. And North Carolina gives him the best opportunity to do that. His father's a Tar Heels fan. There's, there's a lot of connection to the program, you know, just emotionally. So we talk about all the reasons why KV Keys might not wind up at UNC. I think that's a pretty big reason why he might actually wind up at UNC at the end of the day. So is Penn State still going to try? Yeah. Is AM still going to try? Yeah. But there's no guarantee they get a flip. You know, UNC has plenty working in its favor as well. So he'll be a name that we continue to monitor. But like I said, the kid's committed. We're just going to have to see what visits he makes before really determining if the flip is actually going to happen. Keys is a four-star linebacker. His film is absolutely fantastic. His recruitment has been uh, a bit tricky to follow. He did make that trip up for the official visit to Penn State uh, this summer, but there were a few canceled plans to head up to campus before that. We'll see where it goes from here. Another name that we've been monitoring in the 2023 cycle, and again, those names, that list has dwindled and dwindled over the last weeks and months for the 2023 cycle, but Edwin Joseph has remained in play at a Shamanan Madonna down in Hollywood, Florida, he has certainly become a rising figure in South Florida. Does that impact the way Penn State feels about potentially getting him up here and, and, and maybe adding him to this class? I don't think it does only because it was already high on him before this kind of recent barrage of offers. I mean, you had Miami, Florida State, Louisville all get in in the last two, three days. So he was already planning on making it up this fall. He, he had told me that during the summer, and that's still in the cards for him. So he's been high on the staff. Mike Yurchis, he, he likes him. And – he has he's had a lot of good things to say. Now, how do these offers change that? I mean, Miami was one he'd been waiting on. You know, that's pretty well documented. And the thing with the Miami offer is that he was offered to play corner. So if he doesn't want to play corner, you know, is that offer still viable in his eyes? But then Florida State and Louisville are also legitimate options as well. Louisville hasn't in there, and Florida State being a Florida school is going to be in that recruitment. They have his attention. So while Penn State is still in a pretty good spot with Joseph, I'm not necessarily sure they're his leader at this point in time. I think he's kind of taking a step back to reevaluate things after these new offers. And he's another guy, who, you know, we talk about with Keys. We'll see where he winds up visiting. I think you kind of have to take that same approach here because he plans on making it to Penn State. But now with these new offers, will he make it to Penn State? I think so. I think that that's what the intel indicates. But we're just going to have to see. Well, speaking of 2023 wide receivers, you saw one, and it was a Penn State commit in action this past weekend. You were in my old stomping grounds uh, at Rutgers University for the Rumble on the Raritan Labor Day weekend, a big showcase event, a lot of high schools involved playing there. Um, and Ajani Shakir and Winslow Township were in action. Of course, Cam Miller is a, is a young offered player that the Nittany Lions like a lot, and he's all over the field for them. Give us some of the top takeaways. Let's start with this matchup because we've got that Penn State commit involved with Shakir, who's considered a four-star prospect by 24-7 Sports. Yeah, so this was my second time seeing Shakir in person. The first time was at, at the camp in July. So, you know, obviously major difference between the pads going on, the shorts and the T-shirts. But 
I really liked what I saw out of Ijani. I mean, his route running is crisper than it's ever been, I would say. You know, he's always been a good route runner. That's been a strength of his, going back to when he was at Penn Salk and as an underclassman. Now he's at Winslow, and I mean, some of these routes he's breaking off on the middle. He broke off a really nice short curl. He's improved in that area. I think he's putting a lot of work, which, you know, to go out and build upon something that was already a strength shows a lot where in terms of where he's at in his development. I mean, speed's been there. It was there again against a good Northern Highlands defense. There was one play. I, I messed up the film. I'm kind of regretting this. It didn't count. But there was a play where he won on an outside release in the corner of the end zone. They throw him a jump ball. He goes up. He attacks the ball, high points it really, really well. And something he comes down with the pass, and he gets somehow gets both feet in with his momentum taking him pretty much out of the end zone. That was a really impressive catch. It didn't count because the play was blown dead for some penalty. I, I don't know. But – it just overall, such an impressive performance from him. Again, against a, a pretty solid defense. And you know, Penn State is pleased with what they have in Shakir. And just performances like that, they kind of further that. And just as for Cam Miller, I mean, Cam played with one of those clubs on his hand. He wasn't 100%. I believe he dealing with some sort of hand injury. Northern Highlands didn't really try him a lot. They, they didn't even really bother looking to throw at him. They threw him twice. One, he slipped. It was rainy on Sunday night. One, time, one play, he slipped. He almost got beat because of it, but the, the receiver didn't catch the pass. And his second time they threw him was on a fourth down with about five and a half minutes left, and he came up with a huge pass breakup. So, I mean, you see the length. You see how physical he is at the line of scrimmage. And he's someone who – he's going to be on Penn State's radar for years at this point because he, he's interested. And we all know the connections at Winslow with Bill Belton and Christian Hackenberg there. And Ajani committed. Those two have become close friends pretty quickly after Ajani transferred to Winslow. So – He's going to be on Penn State's radar, and Miller, he's going to be a guy who makes it up to Penn State pretty soon. I really liked what I saw out of him. And the one last thing with Miller was with that club on his left hand, he plays offense for Winslow as well. He didn't until the last series of the game where Winslow was running its two-minute drill down by four trying to get back into it, where he pretty much ripped off the club and said, screw it, I'm getting out there. I'm not going to stand here on the, <laughs> I'm not going to stand here on the sideline and watch. And he almost made a play that got them deep into Northern Highlands territory. He didn't come down with it, but – I mean, that competitiveness out of the sophomore, I think that speaks volumes to me. You know, we talk about raw talent all the time and the traits these kids have. But some, that's why I like to see guys in person because you see, you know, how they act and just their competitive nature. And I saw that from Miller. and That was really great. I really enjoyed that aspect of it. Yeah, you mentioned Bill Belton. Uh, I believe that was his first game as, as head yeah. coach uh, with Winslow Township. You were there on the sideline. So congratulations to, to Belton. And he was on this podcast over the summer talking about the Shakir commitment and, and certainly went on for a while about Ken Miller, a guy he thinks is going to be a very high level. Already, He's already there. Very high level power five prospect who's going to garner interest on both sides of the football. A lot to like about some of the built-in ties for that one with Penn State. Uh, hey, you were there for three days at the stadium at Rutgers. What else stood out? Who else stood out? Um, obviously not other Penn State commits involved there, but targets of different varieties for the Nittany Lions. Yeah, plenty of targets were on the field. It was a really good weekend to get out and see a lot of these guys. So Friday night we had Irvington and Millville. That game featured Lazier Brooks, who's a top 100 2025 receiver. And Irvington has a lot of guys that going D1. They have Alan Schuler going to Notre Dame. But from a Penn State perspective, they have Abu Torre, who's a top 24-7, 2024 safety. And honestly, I think he was the best player on the field that night. I mean, this kid, man, from his safety position, his closing speed to come up and make tackles is really impressive. Um, Brooks didn't really get the ball a lot, so I didn't get the chance to see what he could do with the ball in his hands for Millville. But, I mean, his talent is well dog. He's a top 100 kid for a reason. I mean, he's electric. He showed it in Millville season opener. So, Getting out there, see those two guys was good. 
Saturday, we had Rumson and Tom's River North. I was at in the afternoon. That one featured top 120-25 tackle Jalen Matthews, who had a really big day for Tom's River North, just pushing around the Rumson defensive lineman. Tom's River North ran for 400 yards, over 400 yards. Their quarterback had 278 and five scores on the ground. Yeah, he, he's a guy, man. I don't know if he's going to be a quarterback. I mean, he's definitely not going to be a quarterback at the next level, but running back, linebacker safety, he might be a guy. Michael Ford, remember that name. I, I liked him a lot. And then the nightcap, the juiciest matchup of the weekend, St. Joe's prep and St. Peter's prep. A lot of talent on the field for that. Emilio Agard came back after missing St. Joe's season opener that was nationally televised. He was back. Samaj Jones, Anthony Saka, Penn State Legacy, Brandon Ryman, all, all these guys balled out for St. Joe's. They rolled over St. Peter's prep. It was an easy, easy win for them. Elijah Jones had three touchdown catches. He's going to be another guy who was at Penn State this weekend, Samaj Jones. Although it's going to be a pretty big St. Joe's prep contingent at Penn State this weekend, it seems like. So getting out to watch those guys, that was they put on a show, man. And then Sunday, you know, it was it was good with Ajani and Cam. We got a lot of good tape of those guys. Get out there, evaluate them. You can see why Penn State likes both. I know you got to spend some time with Brian Doan uh, as, as well out there, and, and that's always yeah. a good thing when you're out and about on the recruiting trail. Hey, one thing I didn't want to gloss over, it's it's a little bit a ways away in the rearview mirror. It was on the same day as the opener, but September 1st is an important one mm. for those high school juniors out there. Uh, midnight hits, and all of a sudden the, the contact is 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 at a whole different world for them, and, and they love it at first, and eventually many of them come to hate it but they can get blown up by college football coaches. In this case, uh, you know, just hearing from, from quarterbacks who were uh, on the phone with Mike Yersich and, and, and James Franklin in the middle of the night before like what, what, you're within 24 hours of your opener and you're, and you're wheeling and dealing with recruits, what stood out to you uh, as Penn State staff was putting in that work? I mean, just just how much activity and just the amount of work they were putting in on a game. You know, it was, in, it was a unique situation for them and the Purdue staff as well because, you know, a lot of the time September 1st rolls around, you don't have to worry about playing a game that day. And that was the position the Penn State staff found itself in. And those guys were busy working the phone in the wee hours of the morning, knowing that they had to get out there and play a game in less than 24 hours. So just the activity from the staff, you know, a, a lot of guys, that, that stood out to a lot of guys. But they knew Penn State had a game that day. And they're like, hey, the staff showed me this much love on a game day. A lot of kids were blown away with that. Good Credit to the support staff. They did a really good job with the graphics, you know, getting all the graphics out getting in touch with these kids and just it, it's a big day. Like you said, you know, after a while, the phone's getting blown up. A lot of kids get over it, but September 1st is a big day for the juniors. It, it, they love it, man. They, they love that. They relish it right off the bat. So it, it's always fun to reach out to these kids and see which programs they hear from and just, you know, hear the excitement in their voices to see, Hey, I'm finally hearing from these coaches directly. It, it's pretty cool. And Penn State did a good job. I mean, we had a list on the site. I mean, maybe over about, 70 80 kids they reached out and those are just the confirmed names you know there's more yeah. so yeah, yeah i mean really good work for the staff all around on game day that's what really stood out to me and just you know kids really eating that stuff up and we both noted it wasn't only the obvious names it wasn't yeah. only the targets it was guys who are kind of on that radar that you kind of have on the back burner some of them and you want to see how they get through their their junior season if they're going to be offerable kind of talents and you know you're not just you know blowing up the phones of the guys who you clearly have a scholarship on the table for and you clearly want to be in your class you're also making sure you're treating a, a wide variety of potential recruits with the respect to make sure that you're in a good position if you need to circle back there or if they go for launch as a junior and, and their recruitment the landscape completely changes so you're working within a lot of layers on a day like that Tyler, what does the rest of your week look like? Uh, this is your first time covering Penn State football recruiting uh, as they get ready to pack Beaver Stadium. What do you got in store for us over the next few days? 
you know, I'll, that list is going to keep growing. We're going to keep getting names leading up into probably Saturday morning. You know, some guys decide to make the trip late. So we're going to keep an eye out for that. That list is going to continue to evolve. And just by the time we get done, it's going to be a pretty sizable list. And then, you know, I'm just looking forward to catching up with a lot of these guys after the game. You know, for a lot of them, this is going to be their first time for a game day experience at Penn State. So there's going to be a, be a lot to cover. In terms of high school slate, I'm not 100% sure yet. Friday night, I'll be somewhere. Saturday, probably not, just because I'll be looking to catch up with kids after the game ends. But we're going to have a lot coming on the site. I mean, this is just the start of the season, and we're, we're already rolling along with the content, just delivering. So, I mean, there's a lot going down, and I'm, I'm excited for this weekend, man. Like you said, my first home game where I get to catch up with these kids. So it's new for me as well. I can sense the enthusiasm. We love it. Here in Happy Valley, starting to field in the air. Penn State football getting back into Beaver Stadium just a few more days. Tyler, always appreciate your perspective. Doesn't matter whether we're in the season, out of the season. We're going to keep talking recruiting here on the Lions 24-7 podcast. We'll do it again soon with you. Appreciate it, man. Looking forward to it. All right. Be sure to follow Lions247.com for the latest on Penn State recruiting efforts, specifically on these home weekends where you got these lists brewing, confirmations coming, a lot happening behind that paywall at Lions247.com. Time to jump on board now. Uh, I did want to note we had a story up on the site on on Tuesday morning about this new football-dedicated NIL collective uh, called the Lions Legacy Club. As our Mark Brennan noted, you got a couple big-time names involved here, all-American names, Michael Mowdy former linebacker with Penn State and of course running back Kajana Carter an eventual number one pick in the NFL draft headlining uh, uh, in their involvement in this and uh, this is something that I think a lot of people are going to want to take a closer look at because they know that they've got the success with honor collective and then they want to compare and contrast and as Franklin talked about at his press conference on Tuesday afternoon, uh, there are some people who are just more passionate and channeling their resources into one specific sport rather than the entire athletic department. So there's a bit of a balancing act going on right now here on campus across the college athletics realm, uh, but something that I think was a significant step forward for the Nittany Lions football program and ultimately for their players presently and in the future as NIL is a force to be reckoned with. So check out that at lions247.com. Mark Brennan had a, a full write-up on what this may mean moving forward for the Nittany Lions. Uh, big thanks to my colleagues at Lions 24-7 and Tyler Calvaruzzo and Daniel Gallon for their coverage and for joining us here on the podcast. We are back with our third episode of this game week on Thursday. We'll break things down with a beat reporter uh, from the other perspective and get a good look at these Ohio Bobcats. We'll provide our final thoughts and predictions, players to know, and more that's coming your way in a couple days. For now, I'm stepping aside. This is Tyler Donahue, and this is the Lions 24-7 podcast.